I had the world's greatest sermon ever prepared for today, but I'm going to leave it in my bag for next week. How about that? I thought this week we'd do something a little different. Usually, usually uh, my sermons are what would be called exegetical. It means I'm taking a section of Scripture, and I'm preaching on that section of Scripture what God is uh, telling us, or what I He's teaching me, um, speaking through me, etc. It's um, the way I usually preach. Um, I feel it's the best way to preach, but today I'm going to do something a little different. I'm going to go topical. How often do you have church on January 1st, right? It's New Year's Day. You've got to do something for New Year's Day. So I thought, you know what? This is what I'll do. I'm going to spend the next however many minutes making a strong biblical case on why you should read through the whole Bible this year. At the end of the sermon, I'm going to encourage you and challenge you to do it, and then you're going to try to do it. Now, to save each other some time, if you believe I can make a strong biblical case, just throw your hand up. Okay, so let's just skip that. You guys go read a Bible this year. I'll close with a benediction. Good? That's not what I'm going to do. I'm going to talk about New Year's resolutions. I thought most people make them. Some don't for various reasons. But, but really, what's the point? What's the point of having a New Year's resolution? And as I was thinking about, about it this week, I thought, well, does the Bible even talk about it? Is there anything in the Bible that tells us about whether we should or shouldn't make New Year's resolutions and what they should be? And shockingly, I came across the New Year's resolutions verse. I don't know if you guys ever saw it, but it's in there. If you read the top of your, your little piece of paper, you'll know where it is. But we're going to get to that. Let's have a little fun before we get to it. Top ten New Year's resolutions. How many of them can you name? Lose weight. Lose weight. That, is, that is right up there. Save money. Save money. Okay. Get out of debt. What else you got? Stop swearing. That, that <laughs> I think that would be in the ten, wouldn't it? Okay. Exercise right there. Quit smoking, it's right there. Try to make amends for Oh, we got... Makeup or something. Spend more time with family. Yeah. That's number one on the list, time with family. Got to uh, enjoy life more. Quit drinking. For the teens, it's a good time to start before you, before you get organized. Learn something new and, and help others. And I'm looking at this list, and, and I have a, a so what mentality. I always want to know the so what. It's not always cynical. It's a real question. So what? What if you actually did all ten of these? What's the desired end result? So you quit drinking, you got in shape, you stopped smoking, you spend more time with your family. It's December 31st, 2012. So what? So I um, talked to four people this week. First one is Frank. Frank is a guy who's kind of out of shape. Actually, he's in shape, just the shape of a circle. And Frank's, Frank has resolved this year to lose 52 pounds, one pound for each week of the year. He's going to get himself in shape, and he is going to, to make a new man of himself. Good resolution? Is it? Let's think about that. I talked to Mary. Mary is a shopaholic. Mary has debt like nobody's business on her credit card, and she's tired of it. The amount of money she's sending each month to her credit card company and the debt that she's building up behind that is astronomical, and she is done. This is the year. She's cutting them up, throwing them away. She's not shopping, and she's going to pay off her debt, get her feet back under her financially. 2012 is going to be a turning point. Good resolution? Rachel. 
Rachel is going to do it. Rachel's going to read through the whole Bible this year. All the books, all the chapters, every word of every chapter. The, the book showed up in the mail yesterday from Amazon. It's a beauty. It's leather. It's large print. It's prepared to be beaten up over the next 12 months. Good resolution? One last one. There's Tim. Tim's uh, resolved to learn Spanish this year. He's going to learn Spanish so he could volunteer his time at an inner city school working with underprivileged Hispanic kids that don't speak English. He's going to work for free for an hour a day, every day of the week, to help these kids out. But first he's going to learn Spanish because that's an awesome thing to do to help out. Good resolution? They all sound good, don't they? But are they? You see, you and I have, have these hearts that are deceitful, they're sinful, and they can kind of lead us astray. And there's a danger in these hearts because if we just look at the surface and fail to look behind at the motivation, we could be making a whole mess of stuff. You see, let's go back to Frank. Remember the guy who's in the shape of the circle? Well, Frank's had a rough life. Frank has been overweight and out of shape since he was a kid. And people have made fun of him. When he was little, they called him names, they excluded him, they mocked him, they drew pictures of him, they made him feel miserable. He went home from school many a day crying. He had very few friends. He was never invited to parties. He was excluded from everything. And when he got bigger through high school and college, it was less overt because people were physically scared of him. But behind his back, he always heard the mocking and the ridiculing. And, and even as an adult, he, no one says it to his face, but the chuckles. You know, when he, he can't fit in a booth somewhere, just the looks he gets from people. And, and it's driven him crazy, and it's made him sad. And, and this year, he's going to lose that weight, and darn it, he's going to run marathons. He's going to get medals from the marathons year after year, and he's going to shove those medals in people's faces and stick it to them and call them an idiot and show them what he could really make of himself. You see, there's a problem with that, though, isn't there? His motivation is to shove something in the face of others. It's to get worth by how other people respond to him or changing their opinions. So is his motivation for his resolution proper? You see, there's also Mary. Mary wants to get out of debt. Now, getting out of debt is a good thing. And the Bible tells us we shouldn't be carrying debt like that. However, Mary wants to get out of debt for a little bit of skew reason because, see, Mary has a lot of trouble sleeping with this debt, like I think most of us would. And what she wants to do is clear the debt, save money, save more money and more money and more money, and build up this protective nest around her to find security. She, she, she wants to take money and turn it into her God. She wants to talk about, the, in the money I trust, in the money whose word I praise, I won't fear, I won't be alone. Money will take care of all my needs. She wants to build up security around her. And this debt is pulling the security away. You see the little difference there in getting out of debt and the motivation behind it. Tim. Now, when Tim told me that he was going to learn Spanish, these are fictitious people, okay? When Tim told me he was going to learn Spanish, I thought, that's awesome. How cool... To, to spend all that time learning a language, to volunteer your time working with underprivileged kids to help them out, to help them get ahead, right? But see, here's the problem. Tim's been a disaster. He's ruined businesses. He's ruined relationships. He's left a trail of kids in his wake. He, he's, he's stolen people's money, albeit in a legal way. He, he's done everything wrong throughout his whole life. And now he's going to make amends. He's got to do something right to tip the scales of balance, you know, because karma bites you in the tail. And he's going to get right with God by doing good stuff. Because if he does enough good stuff, his life is going to be worthwhile and he won't be such a failure. So Tim's going to start this year, 2012, by learning Spanish. And then God won't think he's such a miserable failure. Rachel's the last one. So the Amazon delivery came and she unwrapped it. 
and it was a, a beaut, you know, the real large, super large print, study Bible. The, the leather smelled good, the gold leafing was crisp, and, and she looked at that sucker, and she had a right mind to tape it up and submerge it in a bucket and tie it to the back of her car and drive around the box so it wears in. You know, you always want the good floppy Bible, because here's what's up with Rachel. She started going to a women's uh, Bible study at the library, and she is tired of these, oh, poor dear looks, because... She doesn't know anything in the Bible. And all these ladies, they know everything in the Bible, and they ask questions, and she doesn't ever know the answer. And she asks questions, and she can't believe she asked, and she feels like such a fool. So this year, she is going to stock up on Bible ammo like nobody's business. Because when she goes to the Bible study in December, she's going to show people what she knows. She's going to drop names like He-Man and Jeter. And yes, they're in the Bible, and she's going to know who they are. And these ladies are going to look at her and go, wow. And she's going to show them her beat-up Bible and say, I know my Bible. That's a little bit screwed up motivation to read through the Bible, isn't it? Well, this year, as we go into 2012, maybe you don't have a list, maybe you do have a list. If you don't have a list, I'll encourage you to make a list, and I'll explain why at the end. But I want to stop, and I want to think about what we would want to change in our lives, and why. And I want to talk about the danger of the deceitfulness of our heart, and how what looks like a good resolution can actually be a hideous mistake. Which brings us to the New Year's resolution verse. And being that my page fell out, I sure hope I could find the book of Colossians in my Bible. That is a requirement to being a pastor, you have to flip to. I didn't know if you knew that in seminary, you have to flip through seven different books in under a certain amount of time. What's that? General Electric Power. Oh, is that really? I wish I knew that a long time ago. This is the book with the verse. This is the verse. It is a New Year's resolution verse. And if you go to Colossians chapter 1 and you go to verse 15, Paul's talking about the preeminence of Christ. I'll start in 15. It says, He, speaking of Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. You and I were made for eternal life. Kind of made that point over the last four weeks during Christmas. Eternal life is a relationship with God. To live in a proper relationship with God, we need to know who it is we're relating to and what it looks like to relate to that person. And, and that starts with understanding who Jesus is. Look at this again. For by him all things were created. So it's saying, by Jesus all things were made. You know, Out of his mouth, he spoke everything into being. Why did he speak it into being? Uh, because whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. Now stop and think about that. All things were created through him. All things, right? Everything. For him, through him, and for him. Who made you? Why? For him. For his glory. Here's the bad news of the gospel. The worst news you're ever going to hear in your flesh. Life ain't all about you. Life, in fact, ain't about you, Period. It's about Jesus. Now, that doesn't ring real, real well, because usually when we make a New Year's resolution, or when we do anything apart from letting the Holy Spirit guide us, we're seeking our own glory. 
either through our eyes to ourselves or through other people's eyes to us. We want people, think about it. Think about poor Frank. You can understand where Frank's coming from now. If you spent your whole life being mocked and ridiculed, wouldn't you just want to hear someone say, I'm impressed by you? How nice would it hear after people mocking you for 30 or 40 years to have someone say, you look great, right? I mean, say he goes to his 30-year high school reunion and people are like, who the heck are you? I'm Frank. Whoa! That makes you feel good on the inside, doesn't it? Well, you know, part of that is not bad, but part of that can be very dangerous. To receive the glory of other people, it feels good because we were made to be glorified, believe it or not, but it's the one who's glorifying us that we kind of get askew. God, read the Bible closely, you'll see that God will glorify us, but our primary job isn't to seek the glory, it's to give the glory to God. It's very difficult, because we like to receive glory, and we don't receive a lot of it from other people, but Paul says, do I now seek the approval of man or of God? For if I seek the approval of man, I'm not a servant of Christ. When you look at a resolution, you have to stop and think who it is that we're trying to glorify. There's nothing wrong with quitting smoking, but why do you want to quit smoking? There's nothing wrong with losing weight, but why do you want to lose weight? Lord knows there's nothing wrong, well, there can be something wrong, can't there, with reading through the Bible in a year. The question has to be asked, why do you want to read through the Bible in a year? Do you want to get to know God for who He really is so you can walk in a more intimate relationship with Him? Or do you just want to have ammunition in your head to make all those people who made you look like a fool in the past feel like idiots? Do you want to go to next year's Christmas party and have those people who, who think you're a fool for not believing in Jesus say, Oh yeah, look what I know. You know who He-Man is? Not the Prince of Power from your kid toys. He was a musician. They're like, what? Uh-huh. What's your motivation? Now, here's the problem. You and I are living an eternal life as Christians. Who is it that we're relating to? God. But who is God? What is, why did he create us? What did he create us for? Did he create us to beat us down? To mock us? To ridicule us? To make us feel miserable? No. Is he a legalistic, angry man who's like, you screw up one more time. One more time. That's it. No. Not at all. He's gracious. He's loving. He's merciful. And he will take perfect care of us each and every time. No matter what it looks like around us, he knows what he's doing. Think of Joseph. Remember Joseph's brother sold him into slavery? Did God forget what was going on with Joseph? Remember Potiphar's wife? Remember how long he sat in prison and, and the baker and the cupbearer and they forgot about him? Well, one of them did. The other one died. And he sat there longer. Did God forget what was going on with Joseph or did he care for him perfectly? You see, what if Joseph's resolution was, this year, I'm getting out of jail. I ain't staying here another minute. I'm going to bust out of jail. That might have been a problem because God was preparing him in jail. I'm not saying that, well, I'm, gonna, I'm not even going to step on that because maybe you don't even notice it yet. If God were cruel, if God didn't delight in caring for us, or if he wanted to harm us, we'd be in a bad predicament. Eternal life wouldn't be so awesome. But because God is the opposite, we need to understand who he is, understand who made us and why he made us, and seek to do everything in our life in light of that fact. So, this year, maybe you do not have a New Year's resolution. Probably a lot of reasons you don't have a New Year's resolution. If you ever done them before, a lot of them don't ever get uh, met. How often do people start a New Year's resolution? How many francs are there that are aiming for 52? 
they make it to 18 pounds, and then, how many people start reading the Bible? You know, they get to Leviticus, and it's like, how many people are going to learn a language, and then they start, and they're like, oh my gosh, no way this ain't. How many people try to quit smoking, and are right back at the Wawa two months later, shaking, and, you know, whatever else happens from stopping smoking? After you fail enough times, you kind of give up. Why bother, right? Well, there's another end of the spectrum. Say Frank lost all his weight. Let's say Frank not only ran a marathon, let's say Frank won the New York City Marathon. Frank blew by that Ethiopian guy who chased cheetahs his whole life that wins it every year. You know what I'm talking about? These guys are like five foot two and run 64 miles an hour for two hours. I don't know how human beings do this. Yes! <laughs> But Frank blows by him in the last 100 yards and wins the New York City Marathon. And next week after that, it's his high school reunion. And he comes in, and he's still wearing that, that uh, leaf thing they put on your head. I mean, it's wilted. He's not taking the sucker off. And he goes in with the leaf thing, and he's got his medal around his neck, and people are clapping, and they're like, yeah, Frank! And he's just waving his medal, and then the reunion's over. Frank goes back to his house, takes off his leaf thing, sits down in his chair, and you know what's going to happen to Frank? <laughs> say he keeps it off, say he keeps running. <whistles> the joy goes away. He ran the marathon. He, he built up to this event. He did it, he won it, and then what? And he's going to sit there, seeking after something he never achieved, even though he thought he had it. You know what's going to happen when Rachel reads through the whole Bible and say she does it every year for 35 years? She's going to know every fact about the Bible. But if she does it with the wrong motivation, she's going to have one beat-up looking book on her desk. She's going to look at this and know, I know a lot of facts about God, but I don't feel like I really know Him. I feel like I've made people feel miserable for the last 19 and a half years with all the stuff I know. And they've been impressed with how smart I am, and I even got some trophies from the Women's Bible Study at the library for Smartest Bible Study yet. But... And then there's Tim, right? He's teaching these kids Spanish. And they love him. And they come to him. And they're learning English. Or they're, what? they're learning English. He's doing the, And they're going off to college in record numbers. And they're getting jobs. And, you know, he's still going to have this horrendous feeling that something's not right between him and God. Because God's not about the works. God did the work for us. He doesn't accept us because of the good we do. He accepts us despite the mess that we make. And there's a hollowness that comes from that. So here's what I want to challenge you to this year. Make a list. Go home this afternoon. Make a list of all the things you'd like to see changed in your life this year. Maybe you want to lose the 52 pounds. i got to keep my eyes high and scale on that one. Maybe you want to read through the whole Bible. Maybe you want to quit smoking. Maybe you want to restore a relationship. All this stuff. Make a long list. Okay? Then start at the top of the list and ask yourself this. Would this change be pleasing to God? Would it glorify God? More importantly, is the motivation behind the change glorifying to God? Now you say, how do you know? Ah, remember how I said I wouldn't challenge you to read the Bible this year? I kind of lied a little bit. You know what Psalm 119.11 says? Come on, guys. Anybody? Anybody? I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. This is a word that is living and active sharper than any double-edged sword. As we read this, God convicts us through the power of the Holy Spirit of who He is, who we are, of what we should and shouldn't be doing to varying degrees. 
We have to let God speak to us through His Word. We have to know His Word to know who it is we're relating to, and it's through His Word that we'll primarily understand if our motivation is right. But take that list and go through it. Now, if you can't give a resounding yes to the motivation is right, yes, the motivation it will bring glory to God, and, and completion of this will glorify God, take it off your list. I don't care how good it looks in your I don't care if it's read the Bible, get out of debt, and pay for a village in uh, Botswana to build you know, huts for the whole world. Get it off your list. If you can't, in good conscience, say this will glorify God. The motivation is right. Now, once you got that list together, I want you to realize the difference between Frank, Mary, Tim, Rachel, and yourself. Number one, you can't fail. Now, how about that? A New Year's resolution, you can't fail it. Now, how can I make that promise? Philippians 1.6 says, He who began a good work in you will bring it to completion on the day of Jesus Christ. God's goal, God's plan, is to mature us to grow us into perfect Christ-like nature. That happens as we enter into heaven, we lose the sinfulness completely, but in the process, our character is growing more and more into a Christ-like nature. The sin is going out. The Holy Spirit is filling in more fully. If you are doing something fully to glorify God with the right motivation, you're working right in His, in his process. You won't fail. I'm not saying you're going to succeed this year in completing it. But there's another verse, John 14, 13. Jesus says, whatever you ask, in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified. If you pray something in God's will, if you are ultimately and fully seeking His glory with a proper motivation, the Bible's pretty clear. You'll succeed. Now, that's kind of tricky. Because it's going to be in His timing and in His way. I'm not saying if you want to, if you can somehow say, I'm going to learn Spanish this year and I'm honoring God with Him, glorifying Him completely. I'm not promising you on December 31st you're going to come running in here saying, Tango el gato en los pantalones. I don't even, that's my Spanish from high school. I'm not, is that really what that means? Yeah, see, see, is that really what that means? My friends and I used to run around after Spanish class. Is that really nice? Said, so don't say that. That'll show you're drinking and you need help. But I am saying that in God's perfect timing, if He wants you to learn Spanish, you're going to learn Spanish. And it may not be until you walk into heaven and you start hollering out Spanish and you'll be impressed with it. But understand this the joy doesn't come from the accomplishment. The joy comes much more so through the process. Because as you, as you seek to get the cats out of your pants, <laughs> as you seek to glorify God in all you do, you'll find there's no hollowness. It's a joyful process. And when you, when you reach the point of success, you'll see that it doesn't wane, that it only gets better forever and ever, for all of eternity. So, this year, there are a lot of people making resolutions. Lots of them seem really good on the surface. Maybe some of them really are. But ultimately, it gets down to a matter of the heart. What's the motivation? What's the big so what behind the resolution? As people who love God, we need to think about the so what. We need to think about what the desired end result is. Is it to glorify ourselves? Is it to receive glory from other people? Or is it for us to glorify God? See, Jesus made us for a reason. For Him. To bring glory to Him. Now that seems a little backwards, doesn't it? But the more fully you live in light of that truth, the more real you see how wonderful it is to spend your entire life glorifying God. And folks, you might as well taste and see how good it is on this side, because eternal life consists of an eternity of glorifying God. And if, if that doesn't sound appealing, 
Maybe it's because you're a little bit like me, and there's still a part of you that wants to be glorified by others. There's a part of you that wants to elevate yourself. But as John the Baptist says, you remember that way back, probably about a year ago, maybe 50 weeks from today? John the Baptist said, I must decrease, he must increase. I think that might be resolution number one on my list this year, and let the other ones fall into place. Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for for a new year. I thank you for um, the years that you've entrusted to us in the past. I pray that you would bless us with many more on this earth and safety and health for your glory. And I just pray that we would more fully look forward to eternity. (laughs) I don't know how we keep track of years on the other side of death. I don't I don't know what numbers become. Uh, I can't even comprehend what happens when we run out of the numbers we know, how we date the years and the fact that they've just always been. But God, I just thank you for that, that this life isn't all there is. This is, this is a taste. For those of us who know and love you, this is as close as we'll ever get to hell. For those who don't know you, this is as close as they'll ever get to heaven. I pray this year that you would give us resolutions you desire for us to have. That you would speak to us through your word, through the Holy Spirit. That you would convict us of areas in our life you desire to work on and have us work on through your strength and power for your glory. I pray our eyes and ears would be open to see and to hear what those are. That we would trust you no matter how crazy they may seem. That we would walk in obedience to you. That we would seek to glorify you through them. And I pray that 364 days from today, we would be able to share with one another some of the resolutions we had, the joys of working in the process, the the miraculous work you did in our lives to either bring that work to a completion or to continue us in the progression towards that completion. But I pray, God, that a year from today even, we would be a people who have matured diligently and faithfully, walking in your will, who you work through mightily, not just in our lives, but in the lives of others. And I pray that in, a, in our trail behind us, we wouldn't leave a wake of mistakes, but we'd have a, a group of people walking along with us as we follow you, that you would bring us to, to draw more sheep into the sheepfold, that you would shine your light through us to draw others to you, and that we would have wonderful stories to tell, many of which began with the list of resolutions we made on this very day for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.